Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. That's supernatural. That is not something we can do on our own. That is not human will, effort, ingenuity, ability, fill in the blank. That is strictly a supernatural act of God. To be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We need our minds to be changed today. And that's why I'll say ahead of time, some things I say today might offend you. I'm not trying to be offensive, but I must speak the truth. Some of the things I'm going to say today will offend culture. I'm not trying to be offensive, but truth offends people. Because it says your thinking is wrong. But He doesn't just point out the wrong, He promises to give the right. He says you're wrong, but I can make you right. I'm thankful that He will point out my sin and give me the remedy at the same time as I surrender to Him. So then when we surrender to Him and we allow ourselves to be transformed by Him, then we will be able to test and to approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Only after our mind is renewed will we be able to know what God's will is. So you're not somebody that should feel bad about getting your brain washed today. We all need our brain washed. It gets a bad term in today's society to be brainwashed. But the fact is, I need my brain washed every day. I would rather wear dirty clothes and have a clean brain. I'm not going to do both. By the grace of God, hopefully I'll have detergent tomorrow to use. But I need my mind to be washed. Because there's so much lies going on in our world today. So many lies. We need God to transform our minds. So what I'm asking you today as we pray, I'm asking you to let God speak to you. If I speak something that's not of God, you don't have to listen to it. You don't have to follow it. But I'm going to have a lot of scriptures today because we want our truth to be established in the Word of God. Not my opinion, not what I think it should be, but what God thinks it should be. Amen? We are a Bible-based church. If that makes me weird, I'll gladly be weird because I believe the Word of God is what we need to be saved. Every single word is true. Amen. Preserved by God. Lord, we thank You for this opportunity to be transformed and renewed by Your Word today. Let Your Spirit speak to us. Let Your Word bring revelation to us. Let our mindsets be changed. In the areas where we're thinking wrong, help us to be corrected and think right today. As we surrender to You, as You bring error to our attention, that we would give it to You. We would repent of it. We would forsake it. And we would, by the grace of God, walk in the opposite direction. Yea, run in the opposite direction as fast as we can to get away from the mindset of this world that is destroying, that is bringing people to a devil's hell. I don't want to go to hell and I don't want anybody else to go to hell. I need to be changed by Your Word today. I need Your Word to renew my mind, to transform my thinking so that I would think correctly today, Jesus. I ask in the next few moments You will help me to speak Your Word 
and you'll help us to receive your word and mix it with faith and let it be applied to our lives and change us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Everybody say in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As we talked about last week, this is not a series of simply opposing people in our culture. We don't oppose anyone. In fact, we want everyone to be saved. The purpose of truth is salvation, not condemnation. Therefore, we take a biblical stance in order to help the multitudes that are going to be saved be rescued from the lies and the snares of Satan. By shining the light of truth, we seek to rescue those who are currently walking in darkness. We're not being contrary for the sake of being argumentative or self-righteous. Oh, look how holy I am. Look how right I am and how pathetic you are. That's the wrong attitude. But we do seek to use the truth of God's Word to challenge the errant cultural mindsets that are leading people to a place of eternal damnation. Our desire, by the grace of God, is that none would perish, but that all would come to a place of full and sincere repentance, leading them to abundant and everlasting life. The gospel is not only good news, it is the best news. But our carnal mind and the God of this world are contrary to the things of God, and therefore we sometimes resist the plans of God in our life. We think we're doing right. We think we're going in the right direction. We think we've got it all figured out. But in fact, we are wrong. Today, we will confront some of the way we're thinking in our culture surrounding the gospel and a saving response to the gospel. The gospel is true. But just because you read the gospel doesn't mean you understand it. And that is proven time and time again by people in our culture. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Again, I want to show you I'm in the Word of God today. As Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? That's another way of saying, Lord, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Now you remember last week we talked about the forbidden tree. Does anybody remember what it was called? You don't have to call it out. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we talked about how God did not name that by accident. But everything He does is with immense wisdom. And He called it that because whenever we disobey God's commands, we are choosing to define good and evil. We are saying, my knowledge of good and evil is greater than His knowledge of good and evil. God said, don't do this, but I know better than God. And just like He named that tree appropriately, He challenged this rich young ruler when He said, why do you call me good? And I believe the reason why he challenged him in saying that is because the rich young ruler himself wanted to get a pat on his back for being good. He wanted Jesus to say, yeah, I'm a good teacher and you're a good man, therefore you're saved. 
Because we have an a-, a habit of saying, so-and-so in our culture is a good person, therefore they can't be lost. They have a good heart. They're a good person. The Lord says, no, 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 no. No one is good except God alone. We are not going to be saved because we are good. Verse 19, you know the commandments. Jesus answered, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. He didn't mention all the commandments because some of them he wasn't doing, but he mentioned the ones he was doing as a little setup. Not just a setup, but the Lord likes to encourage us as what we're doing well and then tell us what we need to improve on. I'm thankful he doesn't just drop the hammer on everything we're doing wrong. And he said to him, teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth up. You're looking at a pretty good guy. I mean, I can't even ask you what I should do to be saved because I was pretty confident you were going to tell me, you're good. Literally, you're good. This young man was confident. He was a model citizen. Everybody would say, that's a good guy right there. He takes care of his parents. He's nice to everyone. He's polite. He's courteous. He's conscientious. He never cusses anyone out. He's just a good guy. Looking at him, verse 21 says, Jesus felt a love for him. Notice that this is rooted and grounded in love and not condemnation. God is speaking truth out of love. He wants this man to be saved. But just because he loves him doesn't mean he will overlook a transgression. God felt love for him and said to him, One thing you lack. What? Not 350 things. Not 200 things. One thing. For most of us, that means we're good. If I've only got one thing I'm not doing right, I'm definitely going to heaven. I mean, I'm better than 99% of the knuckleheads around here. I only got one thing wrong. I'm going up. Jesus said, one thing you lack. Go and sell all you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Because you're trusting in your riches. You're living your life. And the only way you're going to follow me is if you leave that behind and you start following me. Follow me. Notice Jesus didn't say, hey, you're a really good person. And from now on, I'm going to follow you around and bless you everywhere you go. And everything you do, you just tell me what you want to happen and I'll do it for you. He said, follow me. Surrender to me. It's not enough to have a good lifestyle. We've got to give him everything. If Jesus is not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. And let me just say for all those good people out there who aren't following Jesus, Jesus has a bold offensive statement. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you.
No one comes to the Father except through me. If you aren't going through Jesus, you're not going to heaven. That is not my idea. That's the words of Jesus Christ. No one is going to make it to the Father except through Jesus. The rich young ruler went to Jesus and said he kneeled before him. In other words, he worshipped him. He implored him for his wisdom. He prayed in another way of saying it. So he prayed and he worshipped. But he walked away sorrowful, the next verse tells us, because he wouldn't surrender everything. But at these words, the rich young ruler was saddened and he went away grieving. For he was one who owned much property. And Jesus, looking around, said to his disciples, How hard is it for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God? And he's not just talking about earthly wealth and money, but he's talking about being so rich by the things of life, being so preoccupied by the cares of life, and you think you got it all together, and you think you got a job, and you think you got some money in the bank account, you think you got a few clothes, and you think everything is good, but God is saying, Where am I in all of this? You're following harder after rewards of this life than you're following me. Therefore, go away sorrowful because you're not really following me. If God makes you a millionaire by following Him, I'll rejoice with you. I'm not saying you can't have money, but you better not get money on your own. Not following Jesus. Verse 24, the disciples were amazed at His words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard, verse 24, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier, got to skip down below that Revelation passage. I just want, I'm, just, I'm not going to have you guys take my word for it. I just want you to see it's there. I'm not just making this up. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Again, I am coming against mindsets in our culture, even our Christian culture. He said in verse 24, how hard. He didn't say how easy. I'm not upset at anybody today. I'm not mad at anybody. My passion is because I want us to be saved. And people say, serving God is so easy. Just live for God and He'll hand you everything you want. It's easy. It's easy. It's easy. That's not true. That is not true. Salvation is not easy. Somebody tell Jesus on the cross how easy it is. He didn't choose to be put to sleep slowly by lethal injection. But Jesus chose a death that was painful. Because we have to die to ourselves. And that's painful. Jesus didn't say, it's easy, it's easy, it's easy. He said, take up your cross and follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. 
I understand Jesus did the heavy lifting. I understand it was His sacrifice and His grace that leads to salvation. I cannot earn it. I cannot do enough to get it. But that doesn't mean there is nothing left for me to do. I must surrender completely and utterly everything to Him. Dying out to ourselves is about as countercultural as I can get today. We live in a culture that's about everything about me, everything about me. What do you give me lately? What are we doing for me lately? I mean, we literally have a selfie generation. Do you hear the word that's in there? Self E. Selfie. And I'm not preaching against selfies. I'm just saying. Think about it a little bit. We are obsessed with ourselves. Doing everything we want to do. Jesus is some kind of traveling companion who sits shotgun while we steer and tell Him to bless our course. That is not true. I don't have time to qualify everything I'm saying today. But we look at Jesus like some kind of an energy supplement that will enhance our ability to function and to live out the life we want to live. I just pop a dose of Jesus in the morning so I can have energy to do everything I want to do. Jesus is not an energy supplement. We don't get the Holy Ghost to give us the strength to do everything we want to do. We must take up our cross. His grace and His power come when we align ourselves with His will. The reason He can give us the desires of our heart is because when we delight in Him, we start to adopt His desires and He can grant those desires because they're the same as His desires. He doesn't just give us desires arbitrarily because He wants to give us everything we want. We don't even know what's best for ourselves. His book is not a book of a bunch of suggestions. It's a book of commandments on how we can make heaven our home. We don't rub it in a genie pops out. We say, oh, thanks, God. How many wishes do I have today? The subtlety of Satan gets us to do what Adam and Eve did. And that's to stand in judgment of God instead of letting Him stand in judgment of us. We say, I'll serve God if He's this way. But if, that's, if God's not that way, I don't know, I'm not going to follow Him. Or we just take parts of the Bible and say, you know, I don't think God's really that way. I'll still serve Jesus so I can be saved, but I don't think that really is for me. The serpent is subtle. And here is the reason... We cannot live that way. Proverbs 16.25 Proverbs 16.25 says There is a way that seems right to a man. I must not have pasted in there. That's my fault. There's a way that seems right to a man. But its end is the way of death. It seems right. Most people don't go down that path thinking it's wrong. They may figure out it's wrong somewhere down the way, but that first turn is, oh, this is the way to go. But the end is death. Right. Romans 8, 6, for to be carnally 
minded is death. To, to think of it my way and not His way leads to death. But to be spiritually minded, to let Him touch me and transform me and change the way I think, that leads to life and peace. Then they looked at him and they were astonished. Okay, these are the disciples, so it's okay if today you're saying, what you're saying today is kind of astonishing. It's kind of a little bit ridiculous. It doesn't, it's not really the way I looked at things before. Well, that's the same way these men that were with him every day. They were astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Man, Lord, you're saying it's, it's hard. It's, it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. How in the world are any of us going to be saved? Looking at them, Jesus said, with people it is impossible. In your flesh, it is absolutely impossible to be saved. But with God. It's not impossible with Him because all things are possible with God. Okay, I'm coming at us hard in the beginning today because if we don't surrender, we're not going to be saved. I'm coming at us hard out of love because we get to thinking, I'll just live however I want to live. And at the end of the day, I'll just say, Jesus saved me and I'm saved. That's not biblical. We have to surrender to supernatural power of God in order to be saved. Salvation cannot be accomplished in our flesh. John 3, 1-7. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher from God. For no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Okay, in a minute it will say enter. But notice in the beginning, we aren't even going to see the kingdom. We're not even going to perceive the kingdom. It's going to be Muddled vision at best. But to see the kingdom. And this is why. Before, before people are born again of the water and the spirit. They can't see things that we see who are born again. Not because they're less intelligent. Not because they're less of a person than we are. It's because they have not been born again. They can't see it. Nicodemus said to him. How can a man be born when he's old? Hey, Nicodemus, like most of us, is stuck in thinking about everything through the flesh. (laughs) How can I accomplish this? Am I supposed to be born again when I am old? Can I enter a second time into my mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born Here's how it happens. Of the water, baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, and the Spirit, the receiving, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, He cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. 
That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say unto you, you must be born again. There's no ambiguity there. There's, it's like somebody said the other day. Why do we have quote unquote born again Christians as if there's any other kind? There's no other kind of Christian. You cannot be Christian unless you are born again. And I read these verses. I've given you more commentary than I gave a, a high school classmate of mine. When the Lord brought me back to him. I sat down and I just read John 3, 1 through 7. Said nothing but what the verses say. Simply read it out loud. And the light bulb went on and she got mad. She got offended quick. All I did was read the verses. I promise you. All I did was read the verses. And this is what came out of her mouth. What? You're saying my mom has to be baptized to be saved? I said, I just read the verses. No, no, my mom doesn't have to be baptized to be saved. She said the sinner's prayer. She's going to go to heaven no matter what she does. Right now she's married to a Catholic. That doesn't matter. He's not, you know, it doesn't matter. Blah, 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 blah. She went off on me. I have nothing against Catholics. I have nothing against any religion. I want everybody to be saved. But the fact is we have to obey the word of God. I wasn't trying to offend her. I was reading the Bible. But she got offended. And she went off on me. And I just listened. She got up, walked out the door. She was angry. Because the light bulb went on. And she saw the revelation. Somebody's got to be born again of the water and the spirit. Or else they can't enter the kingdom of God. And guess what? Some of my family has not been born again of the water and the spirit. So they're not part of the kingdom of God. I can't accept that. Marvel not. Don't sit there and try to think about it and analyze it. Think about every lost person in the jungles of Africa or the Serengeti or down in the Amazon. I'm not worried about how they're going to be saved unless God sends me there to preach to them. I've got to worry about me. I've got to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling. And as far as this church goes, I answer to God for what I say across this pulpit. That's why I will not back down from the Word of God. We must be born again of the water and of the Spirit to enter the kingdom of God. And God is returning for a church that is already part of His kingdom. The water and the Spirit. Some people think they're simultaneous. Read a few verses. Acts 8, 14 through 17. Again, we get our beliefs from the Word of God alone. Acts 8, 14. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. Why do they need to send Peter and John if these guys are already receiving the word? Verse 15. Who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Verse 16. For yet, as yet he was fallen upon none of them. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They heard the word. They received the word. They obeyed to be baptized in the name of Jesus. But evidently, they did not receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You do not receive the Holy Ghost automatically when you are baptized. 
They are separate baptisms. There are times when people are baptized in the water and they come out and the water starts bubbling while they're under there. Not because they're trying to breathe, but because God gets a hold of them and their mouth starts to move and they begin to speak in other tongues. As the Spirit gives the utterance, they come up and they're speaking in tongues. It does happen that way sometimes, but not always. Sometimes we're baptized in the name of Jesus, and that's great, and that's awesome. We've been born again of the water, but we have not been born again of the Spirit. And if it didn't matter, why did they send Peter and John? Why did they not say, they've been baptized, they're part of the body. Forget about the Holy Spirit. It's good for them maybe to get it, but you know what? That's up to them. They didn't say any of that. They knew they must be born again of the water and of the Spirit. You talk like this and people get offended fast. Not because we're trying to be offensive. I pray my spirit is right today. I pray my spirit is humble today. But I can't say it quietly because there's a passion in me that we must be saved. Acts chapter 10 and verse 44. How did they know in the Bible when someone received the Holy Spirit? What did they look for? I propose to you, we should look for the same thing. Again, if somebody else wants to stake their salvation on something else, that's their choice. But as I stand before God, I am only comfortable doing what the Bible says. And when Peter spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision, the Jews which believed, they were astonished. As many as came with Peter, because on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. How in the world did God give them the Holy Ghost? I didn't think they could ever receive the Holy Ghost. But you know how they knew? If they would have just felt something inside and said, you know what, I received the Holy Spirit, the Jews probably would have said, yeah, right. You just feel good about your prayer. But something happened. The Jews' ears perked up, their senses went on high alert, and they knew beyond shadow of a doubt that God had poured out His Spirit. Verse 46 tells us why. For they heard them speak with tongues. They heard them speak in an unknown language to them as a gift of the Spirit was poured out on them and they spoke with tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. They looked for the sign. And again, I propose to you, I'm not trying to judge any church that believes different, any person that believes different, but if it is just simply a prayer that I repeat, where is the need for the supernatural in that? If I can be saved by simply repeating some words, anybody can be saved without ever surrendering to God. Can any man forbid water that he should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? Now that they received the Holy Ghost, the Jews understand they're part of God's kingdom. They said, now they can be baptized. He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Again, he didn't say, if you guys feel like it today, you got the Holy Ghost, so you're probably good. But maybe you want to get baptized sometime. He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. They received the Holy Ghost. 
And they spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. And you tell me, well, I prayed before and God didn't give it to me. It must not be for me. That's because you think it's supposed to be so easy. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to be unkind. But after I gave my life back to the Lord at 18 years old, and for three months I served Him, and I prayed every day, God, fill me with Your Spirit. God, fill me with Your Spirit. Sometimes literally hours every day. And I went to Bible school, and I'd been there for three months. And every time there was an altar call, I was at the altar call. And I was the last one to leave most often because I wanted the Holy Ghost. And I didn't give up because I didn't get it right away. But I kept praying because I knew I've got to have the Holy Ghost. I've got to have the Holy Ghost. I don't care how hard it is. I don't care how much I have to fight for this. This is more important than anything else in the world. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to pray. And I'm going to pray. Until I receive the Holy Ghost in fire. I'm going to pray. Disciples on the day of Pentecost left everything else aside. And they said, we're going to go to the upper room. Jesus said to Terry, until the promise comes. He didn't say Terry for 10 minutes. Terry for 5 days. He didn't give him a timeline. He just said, Terry, until. Wait until. Pray until the gift of the Spirit is poured out. We need to have an attitude that says, I'm going to pray until I receive it. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to shut up. I'm not going to back down. But I'm going to cry out all the more. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. I've got to have the Holy Ghost. I've got to know I'm saved. I've got to know I'm on my way to heaven. It doesn't mean God's never done anything for anybody else. People hear from God every day that aren't baptized with the Holy Ghost the way they were in the book of Acts. God is drawing them. He's merciful. He's gracious. He wants to fill them with the Holy Ghost. He wants to bring them into a deeper communion and a deeper relationship. But when He pours out His Spirit, it's God saying, I approve of you. I baptize you with my Spirit. I'm coming against false mindsets today. Not because I'm angry at anybody. Not because I think I'm better than anybody. But I've laid in bed at night with my eyes peeled open, looking at the ceiling, thinking, Lord, is there another way? God, is there a loophole in this gospel? Lord, is there some way that someone can be saved without doing these things? And every time I go to the Word, I see it again. You've got to be born again of the water and the Spirit. You've got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of your sins. You've got to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's there in the Word of God over and over and over and over and over again. There's many good people that are better than I am. But their doctrine is askew. Mother Teresa makes us all look pathetic in comparison to the works she performed. But Mother Teresa did not believe in the Word of God, the way that we should believe in the Word of God. I'm not passing judgment on her. I'm just saying the Catholic doctrine is not here. Not because I disrespect anybody that follows it. I want them to be saved. I want them to see the light, that Jesus is the light. We don't have to pray through other people. We don't have to pray through the saints and pray through Mother Mary. We can get a direct access to Jesus Christ. Jesus wants to live inside of us. He wants to give us the Spirit of the Father. 
He doesn't want us to have to pray through other people and hope somehow they get the message to Jesus. But He wants to come and live inside of us. Live inside of us. Romans 10, 9. I'm trying to hasten here. If you shall confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thy heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I believe the Scripture with all my heart, but I believe people water it down. I believe people misinterpret what it means. They say if you simply confess the Lord with your mouth. What does it mean to confess the Lord with your mouth? What does it mean to believe in your heart? It means more than just acknowledging that He exists. It means more than saying He is Jesus. It means surrendering to Him. Because belief without faith, without action, is not really belief. Let me prove it to you with just two passages of Scripture for sake of time. Mark 16 and 16. The Bible qualifies belief. He that believeth and... He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. I don't know any other way to interpret that Scripture. Belief leads to baptism. If we really believe, we'll be baptized. Some people say that's living by works. No, it's not living by works. I'm not saved by works, but I am saved unto good works. Because of His grace, because of His mercy, I see the need to be baptized and I obey according to my faith. John seven thirty seven, the last day, the great feast. Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, how? Any old way? Any way he wants to? Any way that he decides to? No. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said. The Scripture tells us how to believe. If we're not believing in Him like the Scripture says, we're not really believing in Him. And if we will believe in Him, as the Scripture said, out of our belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake He of the Spirit, which they had believed on Him, should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. But a few chapters later we find out that if you do believe on Him, as the Scripture said, you will receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and you will speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. When you believe on Him as the Scripture has said. Not however you want to. Not however Oprah says we should. James 2.14 Quickly, I'm moving as fast as I can. What doth it profit, my brethren? Though a man say he hath faith and have not works. What's it going to profit you if you say, I'm a man of faith, but there's nothing to show for it? Can faith save him? Do we think there's a disagreement between James and Paul? Paul that said that you're not saved by works. Now James is saying, if you don't have any works, it's just faith, just believing. Does that save you? God wouldn't let them both write scripture if they were not in agreement. James is saying, if you really believe, it's going to lead to works. It's going to lead to obedience. 
If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled. But you don't give them anything to eat. You don't give them anything to wear. You don't give them anything. How does that profit them? I have faith. You will be fed. Feel the food into your stomach. I have faith you feel, you feel full. Well, you might have faith, but I'm hungry. You didn't give me any food, so I'm still hungry. How about putting some works to your faith, brother? Even so, faith. Here it is. The bombshell that rocks the American Christian church if they will read it. Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. It's dead. It's dead. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show you my faith by my works. I will show you by the fruit in my life. I really believe Jesus because I'm actually following Him and I'm actually listening to Him and I'm actually obeying Him. You tell me how much you believe Him and live your own lifestyle and do your own thing and maybe give God five minutes out of your day and you tell me you have faith. Well, I'm going to show you I have faith because I live for Him 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It doesn't mean I'm perfect. I fall all the time. I get, da- I get knocked down every day. But a righteous man falls and gets back up again by the grace of God. Now here's the next two verses are really going to offend some people. Maybe nobody here. But if someone listens to this message, they're going to be ready to punch me in the face. Thou believest there is one God. And you're doing well to believe that. It's good for you to think there is only one God who rules the universe. That's a good thing. You're doing well by thinking that. But here's the bombshell. The devils believe the same thing. The devils were there in heaven to see one God. They understand there's only one God. So just believing in God makes you no better than a devil if nothing follows your belief. Let that sink in. Instead of just the devil's trembling, that makes us tremble. Just believing, oh, I believe in Jesus. I believe He exists. I believe He rules the universe. So do the devils. If you stop there, you just confess with your mouth and nothing else follows it, you're no better than them. Because you're making the same mistake they made and you're not following Him. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead. It's dead. The gospel, the good news, the best news. It's the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But unless we respond to the gospel appropriately, we cannot be saved. God loves everyone. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He doesn't want anyone to be lost. 
But He's also just. And He must see us according to how we stand before Him. We identify with the gospel. As we focus mostly on today through death. We've got to die to ourself. We've got to quit saying, well, that doesn't make sense to me, so I'm not going to do it. Stop. Stop. Again, I'm not trying to be antagonistic, but God would say to you like Job, where were you when I created the world? I didn't need your help to tell me how to do it then. I don't need your help to tell me how to do it now. Get rid of your thinking. And here's the thing. I've, again, I feel almost bad having to present it so it will wake us up because it's the most beautiful opportunity in the world because when we give up on our thinking and we adopt His thinking, we receive better life. It's better. But we have to be awakened out of our stupor of doing things our way. God knows what's best for us. So we need to die to ourselves and say, Lord, no longer my ways, but yours. That's what repentance is. Repentance can happen in a few moments or it can take months and it becomes a lifestyle. But it's a death to self, a confession of our sin, a forsaking of our sin, a decision to follow Jesus wherever he leads us. Anything short of that is just lip service. Burial. We are buried with him in baptism, Romans 6.4 says. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. We identify with his death through repentance, his burial, through water baptism. In Jesus' name. And when Jesus lay there dead in a tomb, the man Christ Jesus died on the cross. The flesh that was the temple of God's Holy Spirit, it died on the cross. The part that came from Mary died on the cross and was buried in a tomb. But as we know, he did not remain in the tomb. But three days later, he rose again. How did the man Christ Jesus rise again? Because the spirit of the eternal living God entered that body and quickened it back to life again. Raised it up again. And that's the same spirit that comes inside of us. Again, I'm not trying to be contrary, but the Holy Spirit is not the third member of some kind of trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all the same Spirit. The part of Jesus that was the begotten Son was the flesh. But the Spirit inside Him was simply the Spirit of God. When we receive the Holy Spirit, we are receiving the same Spirit of God. God is holy. God is a Spirit. Why do we think Holy Spirit means something else? So when we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive resurrection power, which is why I don't 
like to argue with anybody about whether they need to have it. If you're asking me, do you have to have it? You're like the rich young ruler. Wanting to live a good life, but do the minimum to get by. Our question should be, is it God's will for me to have the Holy Spirit? You see, the devil's so subtle, that seems like almost the same thing. But it's a completely different attitude. So to coming to God, what do I have to do to be saved? We come to God and we say, Lord, what do you want me to do? What would you have me to do? Totally different attitude. As we close and stand, John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verse 9 through 10. Again, if some of you, this is your only exposure to me. Please trust that I love you today. I'm not up here ranting and raving because I'm mad at anybody, but because the passion of the Lord has gripped me. And if I have a chance, I'll sit down with you face to face and we'll talk. We'll examine the scriptures together. Because I'm only interested in doing the will of God. Following the word of God. And if I'm wrong, I want to be corrected. John chapter 10 verse 9. The Lord said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me. This is Jesus talking. He will be saved. And will go in and out. And find pasture. We've got to go through Jesus. And we've got to go his way. Again, he said, I am the way. All roads lead to heaven is not an accurate statement. There is a way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The thief comes not, the thief does not come rather except to steal. And that's why he works through subtlety to try to convince us of something less. He tries to get us to think something less is okay and we we don't really have to give Jesus everything. Did God really say? Did the word really say? Surely you're not going to die. He comes to steal your blessing, to kill your body and your soul to destroy everything precious to you. Sin takes us farther than we want to go. Keeps us longer than we ever wanted to stay. Makes us pay more than we ever can afford to pay. But the Lord says in contrast, I have come not to condemn you Not to just point out your errors for the sake of you understanding you're wrong and I'm right. But I've come to correct you because I correct those that I've loved. I've come to give you abundant and everlasting life. My sheep know my voice. They follow my voice. They don't listen to all the voices of the world. They hear my voice. 
Again, I'm not telling you to follow my voice alone today. Only as I speak on behalf of Him do you follow my voice. Only when my voice speaks what His voice would say. I'm asking you today, learn to follow His voice. Learn to follow His voice. His voice leads to life everlasting. The God of this world wants to destroy you. Your own voice creates and concocts ideas that seem like the right thing, but at the end, they're death. So don't listen to yourself. Don't take counsel in your own wisdom. But say, God, what would you have me to do? Jesus, I want to follow you. Jesus has not changed His message. It's still, take up your cross and follow me. Take up your cross today. Put it over your shoulder. I didn't plan any of this. But put it over your shoulder and walk to this altar as a sign that says, Lord, I'm taking up my cross. Put that cross over your shoulder today and walk to this altar and say, Lord, not my will, but thine will be done. Even Jesus in his humanity said, Father, if there's any way that this cup can pass, if there's an easier way to be saved, if there's an easier way to make it to heaven, Lord, let me go around this hill Calvary but nevertheless not my will but thine will be done he's not requiring anything less of us today than we give all of ourselves to him but I promise you if you'll find that surrender in the next few minutes you will feel a peace that you've never felt before You will feel a joy that you've been longing for. The presence of God will flood into your life today. And you've never spoken in tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. It can happen today in the name of Jesus. As you surrender to Him. As you get real with Him. As you give everything to Him. As you lay it all on the altar. The supernatural help of God will come into your life today and will fill you, will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire.